talk about a subject that I know that we're all familiar with. And everyone here this morning is either going through a storm, coming out of a storm, or getting ready to go in one. Now, most of the storms in our life aren't as big or as bad or as devastating as the one I want to talk about this morning. But I guarantee that every one of us, sometime in our life, we will go through a storm that will be devastating to us. And I think that we can gain a little bit of insight through this storm. Now, this storm we're going to talk about, it's the only one in out, throughout ancient history that actually gives an actual account about a shipwreck and what's involved in those. It's the most accurate one throughout any kind of history in the olden, old days or ancient history that we would call. And it was in, it's in Paul's day. Now, we need to know as Christians that storms are inevitable. If you come to Christ and you think every day of your life is going to be sunshine and roses and you're just going to, well, I got news for you. It may be like that for the first while, but sooner or later, that sun is not going to shine for you. Your picnic is going to get rained on. And I'm glad that when people first get saved, they get, a, they get more of a joyous thing in their life and they have less problems because that's the nurturing time. We, God doesn't expect much out of the babies. But as time progresses, you're going to start to have storms. And the only way that God has to strengthen us is through storms. So we need to kind of just buckle it up and hang on because God will get us through it. And that's the reality. But if we know that we're going to have storms, it's going to help us. So when you're in one, then we don't need to sit around and say, God, why, 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 why am I going through this? Why me? Why me? Why me? I think that's the, the biggest prayer I think that's, that's prayed in America and throughout the world is, why me? Why not me? <laughs> and so God says, why not you? Do you want to be strong? Do you want to be a strong Christian? Do you want to be able to, to serve me in a better way? Then, are you, are you giving me... Oh, okay, he's giving me high signs over here, and I, I, you know, I didn't know what he was wanting there. So, but if we know storms are going to be inevitable, we won't be surprised when one happens, and it won't devastate us, because we know that, hey, we're going to have good weather days, and we're going to have bad weather days. We moved to southern Utah because we supposedly have more good weather days. <laughs> supposedly. But sometimes it all gets messed up, and we've had a lot of bad weather days this winter which is okay, we need the water, and that's what happens you know, if we're going through a storm. It's okay, we need the experience, we need to strengthen ourselves. But if we know storms are inevitable in this life that we live in, people in Florida, they know that if you live in Florida, you're gonna have bad weather. You're gonna have hurricanes, you're gonna have mild storms, and you're gonna have a Katrina or something occasionally. But if you know that's gonna happen, someone's gonna give you a little bit of warning about it. And so, they, what do they do? They sit there and say, well, no big deal. I'll just sit here, and if it happens, it happens. Uh-uh. They go out, they, get, they go out and buy plywood. They board up the windows of their house. They tie everything down to prepare for that storm. They want to make sure that they've done everything that they can do to prepare for that storm. They stock up on food. They stock up on water. They stock up on medical supplies. They stock up on flashlights and batteries because they prepare for the storm. Now, why is it we as Christians, we can prepare for a storm like that, but we can't prepare for a storm in our own Christian experience, in our own personal lives? I think we can. 
We just need to be aware of it. And as Christians, I've learned the five Ps. When I, w I was involved in quality a lot of my life, and I learned the five Ps, and those are prior planning prevents poor performance. If we plan ahead, then we're prepared for it. Without a plan, we plan to fail. That's the reality of it. As Christians, we need to plan for the storms. How do we do that as Christians? By reading God's word, by praying, by fellowshipping with other Christians, by coming to church. Because every Sunday morning here and on Sunday evenings, something is preached from this pulpit that gives you information on how to survive life. Something that you can store up or prepare yourself to face. And if we come to church and if we're faithful to God, then we can prepare for these storms and we won't be devastated at them. When we, before I got saved, I had a lot of problems. I had most of the problems that I had, I'm paying kind of for all the physical things that happened to me now. I'm paying for it from when I was younger. Injuries that I incurred when I'm younger, I'm paying for it now. So you young people out there, everything you hurt in your life, when you get my age, believe me, you're going to know every single injury because it's, it's the way that God lets us know that we are not immortal. <laughs> and we pay for it. So before I was, a, I was a Christian, I went through a lot of problems and I went through a lot of trials. And I know that all of you here can say that too. But before I was a Christian, the way I coped was by drinking. I, man, give me enough beer and hey, I'm okay. I told my kids, you better hope I don't quit drinking because it's the only thing keeping you alive. <laughs> and I'm at <in> it. <laughs> And as long as we had enough beer and we had enough booze, hey, that was all right. I could cope. I could cope. Every night when I got off work, I could cope with that job because I knew at 3 o'clock I'd have a beer in my hand. I knew. Hey, I coped. I could cope. But when I got saved, I didn't need that anymore because now I have God. Now I have his strength. And now I cope through God because I don't have to go through these things alone. As Christians, we can go through these things with God. And it makes it a lot easier. And when we know God is with us, because it's hard to know that you've been abandoned. Abandonment is one of the worst things that people can endure. But as Christians, if we know that we're not going to be abandoned, and that God is going to be with us, and he's going to help us, and he's going to strengthen us, then we'll say, well, as long as God's with me, I can do it. And evidently, God knows I can do it, or he wouldn't let me be here. Because he won't give us anything more that we can stand. So we have those things that we know that we need to prepare about. Well, this morning, we're going to look in a in the book of Acts, and we're going to look at a storm. And we're going to hopefully gain a little bit of insight into storm prevention and maybe a little bit about survival and how we uh, can gauge that. I don't think I've ever really thought about this, and when I was looking at trying to figure out what I was going to preach on this morning, this scripture wouldn't have been high on my list. I, I, I practically didn't even know this one existed in my Bible <laughs> because I've never really thought about anything. Oh, yeah, it's there. But everything that's in the Bible... There's meaning to it, and we need to glance it, and we need to, to glean everything that we can from it. Now, this morning, we're going to look at, um, in Acts, one verse in chapter 26. Now, I'm going to have the scriptures put up here on the, the whatever you call it. I know it isn't as fancy as Alan and Kim and do, do with there, because I'm not as talented as they are about doing those kind of things. But this is taken from the Good News Bible. Now, these scriptures have a lot of terminology that is kind of maybe a little bit harder to understand. That's why I went to this. I like King James, but sometimes you're trying to figure out, they talk about a fathom, and what's a fathom? 
you know, and, and I didn't want to spend all that time trying to interpret what these terms meant. So we're just going to go with something that's a little more understandable. Now, Paul, he is under arrest because, of his, because he's a Christian. Now, when, when Paul was, at this time, it wasn't against the law to be a Christian, but if you know, some of the times when Paul preached or he caused a ruckus in cities and towns, and then the army would come in and they'd have to rescue him. Well, eventually, you know, they kind of arrested him because of disturbing the peace. But Paul was a Roman citizen, and he appealed to Caesar to hear his case. Now, because he appealed to Caesar, this is what happened. Verse 26, verses 32. I've got them written here, so it's a little easier to, uh, for me to read than turning around. And it says, And Agrippa said to Festus, This man could have been released if it had not appealed to Caesar. That's kind of an interesting scripture. I wonder how many storms in our lives and how many things in our lives could we have avoided if we had not appealed to Caesar or we had not instigated something ourselves. If something happened to us, you know, we're, we're having a bad day and we start something in motion. Well, now that we've started in motion, we have to live with it. Stuff that comes out of our mouth, we can't take back. So how many times have we instigated things in our own life? The Bible says we shouldn't sue our brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? Well, look at all the problems that it can cause. Look at all the can of worms that can, you know, that it can cause. Now, of course, that's brothers and sisters in Christ. They have to be a Christian. It isn't, you know, reality there. But a lot of people get in trouble, especially in the society we live in today, because of court cases. They want to sue everybody for everything. Now they're suing the churches. They're suing everybody that, you know, you interpreted this scripture wrong for me. I'm going to sue you because you hurt my little feelers. Or you talked about sin this morning, so I don't like that. I'm going to sue you. But some things we cause upon ourselves. I know that now there are a lot of people that are suffering from losing their houses. Because a while back, somebody decided they was going to do this creative financing. So they conned the people into thinking, hey, you can afford this half a million dollar home. In reality, they're lucky if they could afford a $60,000 home. But they, they buttered them up. They told, oh, yeah, you can do this. And by the time the payments go up, this and this will happen. And you'll have all this money that you can spend. And then you can go out and buy your own home. Well, a lot of people swallowed that. And they caused their own problems. So what's happening to them now? They're losing their homes. Not only are they losing their homes that they couldn't afford, they're losing everything else. And that's the problem with some things that we bring upon ourselves. It isn't if we just lost <clears throat> that one thing, it wouldn't be so bad. But they lose everything. It's not only they lose their house, they lose their good credit rating, they lose the ability to buy anything for a while, and they've lost everything. Everything's dead. You know, their whole lives are devastated because of something that they did themselves. And we as Christians need to look ahead. We need to look ahead at things when we're making decisions. If we're going to buy a house, we need to spend time with God and say, God, can I afford this house? And if you can't afford, afford to buy it, don't buy it. If you can't afford to buy a new car, no matter how good the, the sale is, don't do it, because wanting sometimes is better than having, because when you have something, you don't really own anything. It owns you. That's why God doesn't like debt, is because it owns us. So we cause a lot of our own storms, sometimes because we're in the wrong place at the wrong time. We're places we shouldn't be, and then we have to explain why are you there, and it can cause a problem for somebody else. So we just need to think things through. Uh, Chapter 20, where am I at here? I'm on the wrong page here. Act 27. Okay, verse 10. 
make sure I had the right wrong, wrong scripture here. Men, I see that our voyage from here on will be dangerous. <clears throat> there will be great damage to the cargo and to the ship and loss of life as well. But the army officer was convinced of what the captain and the owner of the ship said and not by what Paul said. The harbor was not a good one for one to spend the winter in, so almost everyone was in favor of putting out to sea and trying to reach Phoenix, which was a nice place to live, evidently. Warmer than, you know, probably like here. Is a harbor in Crete that faces southwest or north. Now, they were already on this ship going, eventually wanted to go to Rome where he was going to appeal before Caesar. Well, they had a lot of things that had happened before they got to this point. And they finally landed, and the name of the harbor was actually Fair Harbor. But it wasn't a great place. I mean, it wasn't a place that ships usually go. They didn't have all the nice, fancy things that the people wanted. And so they, instead of staying there, they said, well, we want to stay here. We want to go over here. And Paul tried to warn them, hey, we've got to stay here. Even though this isn't the most comfortable place to be, even though this isn't where we want to be, sometimes we just need to stay where we're at until we get direction from God. But they didn't listen to him. And how many times do we, are we warned about something and we don't listen? Our kids are good for that, especially the kids, right? All the kids said amen. I thought my parents were very, very lacking in intelligence until I got older. And it's amazing how smart your parents get when you hit around, what, 25, 30, maybe, 20, if you're really smart. Maybe 20 years old, and you learn how small your parents are. I was dumber than most of us, so it took me longer. So, but how many times do people warn us about doing something, and we go ahead, we don't consult God, we do anything, we just go ahead and do it. Well, I don't care. It doesn't matter. And so, then we get verse 13. When a gentle southerly breeze came up, they weighed anchor, thinking it was going to be smooth sailing. Ah, there it is. You sit there and you're dealing with something. Someone's kind of warned you about something. Maybe you shouldn't do that. But all of a sudden, there's a nice, soft breeze. Everything, oh, everything works so smoothly, and it's so nice. And think, oh, God must really want me to do this. No matter what they said, God wants me to do this. Uh, how many times do we do that? How many do we let, times do we let circumstances dictate to us, dictate to us what we're going to do? How many times do we do that? And we think, oh, if God didn't want me to do that, then he wouldn't be letting it be so nice and he wouldn't let things fall in place. Now, there are times when that is the case. That's why it's important to trust God and to be able to spend time with God and work those things out and cover them from every angle that you can cover and don't make a hasty decision. See, these guys were hasty about it. As soon as they got a nice weather, oh, this is it, we're going to go. Because we don't want to stay here. There's times in our life we aren't going to want to be where we're at. But we have to listen to God, we have to listen to good advice, and we have to be able to make good decisions. Well, obviously, they made a bad decision. And hindrances sometimes tell us that we're not going to, if everything doesn't work out right, then we say, well, that, and that must be God, too. God doesn't want us to do that. And that's the reverse, too. It's kind of hard knowing which God wants you to do and what he doesn't want you to do. But we can't let circumstances dictate to us. I know that we look at 9-11. When 9-11 happened, <clears throat> how many stories did we hear about people that were supposed to be in the World Trade Center that weren't there? One guy, he got new shoes and he got a blister on his foot. 
And so he had to stop by the drugstore and get a Band-Aid. So he missed the attack. Someone else, the alarm didn't go off. Someone else, the kids made them late. There's all kinds of stories for people that hindered them from being there on time. And I'm sure that they would like, we would be, if we have an appointment to be somewhere, I hate being late. I hate late, whatever, worse than anything. And I'd rather take a beating than be late, because I figure, hey, I'm going to be there on time. But sometimes things happen. And then you're sitting and you say, God, why did you let me be late? I'm just so angry. I've got to be there on time. I've got to be on time. Especially this morning, I'm preaching. I've got to be here. How would that look if my alarm didn't go off this morning? So we got to look at hindrances and say, maybe, instead of blaming God and saying, God, why did you do this? We have to be able to have a trust in God to know that he's seeing something that we're not seeing. And we may not know. Those people didn't know till after the planes hit the towers. Then they said, thank you, Jesus. All of a sudden, why, God, why, turned to thank you, Jesus. Isn't that amazing? How much hindsight looks good. So we got to look at hindrances and we got to weigh everything that happens in our life, both the good and the bad. And then we can progress. Uh, verse 14. But soon a very strong wind, the one called the Northeastern, and that's kind of a fancy way of saying like a hurricane. That's just where I want to be out on the seas is in the hurricane, blew down from the island. It hit the ship, and since it was impossible to keep the ship, the ship headed into the wind, we gave up trying and let it be carried away by the wind. We got some shelter, and when we passed to the south of the little island of Claudia, there was some difficulty, but we managed to make the ship's boat secure. They pulled it aboard and then fastened some ropes tied around the ship. They were afraid that they might run into sandbox off the coast of Libya, so they lowered the sail and let the ship be carried by the wind. When you're making the wrong decision where you shouldn't be, it isn't very long till reality hits you in the face. If you go out and you buy a new car you can't pay for, man, it's really great for that first 90 days or 30 days or whatever it is until the first payment comes due. And they think, oh, man, why did I buy that car? Why did I buy that? Oh, now I've got 400 bucks a month. I've got to pay for this thing? It's so nice that first month, though, you're driving down the old road. Look at my oh, new car. Oh, I'm so good new car, then the payment comes due. And then, what else happens? Then the kids all need new shoes. Then the kids want to go out for some kind of sports. It's got all kinds of money that you have to invest in, and all these other kind of things happen. But hey, it looked good at the time. Smelled good, tasted good. Oh man, I love this. But sooner or later, the wind is going to blow. And the ship, it de devastated them. They, they, all they could do was just pull up the lifeboat and secure it to the board of the ship. And the storm was blowing so bad, they couldn't even guide it. They didn't know what, what they were going to do. So they had to lower the sa sails and just say, that's it. Let's have it. And sometimes that's what we have to do. We're going to make wrong decisions. That's a reality. None of us are perfect. We're all going to make wrong decisions. And we're all going to end up in this kind of a storm. And we've got to do what we need to do to be there. And if you don't know what to do, then just pray. Just ask God, guide me, direct me, help me. Help. It's real easy to say help when you're in a problem. I remember one time when I was driving, <clears throat> going to work, and we had a, uh, it was a dirt road that come out in front of our house, but it was a real nice one. You'd go 70 miles an hour on that road because it was just, whew, just a real nice dirt road. Well, I was going to work one morning, 70 miles an hour. Of course, you know, speed limit wasn't that, but that was what I went. <laughs> no cops on those dirt roads. They're too busy getting the people on the freeway, you know, at that time of the morning. So I'm going down the road, and I'm barreling, and all of a sudden, I get a flat tire. 
Now, if you've never had a flat tire at 70 miles an hour on a dirt road, you have not lived. <laughs> and I'm sitting here, and the, the car is just going, whoa, 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 whoa. And I know that thing's going to flip. I just know. You know, you know when that, you, you can sense it. I've gone back as much as I could go this way. And I knew the next step I was headed. And at the side of the road, there was a two-foot drop on either side of the road. And I, I couldn't do anything. I'm just going, okay, Lord. And I just went, Jesus. That's all I could do was yell, Jesus. And that car flipped, did a 180-degree turn, landed on the side of the road facing the other direction. God protected me from that storm, even though I was stupid. Of course, the tires were, I had four, t four flat tires on that car. It was a new car, too. Four flat tires on that car. Another one I had at 80 miles an hour on the freeway. And I thought, Lord, I want these tires off this car. I hate it. I will never buy those tires again. In case you're wondering, they were general tires. I hope they've, hope they've improved it. And <clears throat> but sometimes those kind of things happen, and God will reach down miraculously you know, and save you. But we can't depend that we're going to do that all the time. Sometimes, as the old saying goes, you make your bed, you're going to lay in it. If you uh, sleep in the uh, barn with the chickens, you're going to smell like one. So that's the reality of it. <clears throat> And sometimes when we're in the storm, we need to secure our lifeboat. And what is our lifeboat? Christ is our lifeboat. We have to make sure that during these times of storm and problems, that we have our lifeboat secure. That we don't use this time to draw away from God, but we use it to draw close to God. Because that's usually what happens in a storm, if you'll notice. When people are in a storm, it chases you away from God, or it draws you to God. And as Christians, if we know we're going to be in storms, then we can use this to be drawn to God and allow this. Even though it was our mistake, okay, fine. Allow God to help us through the storm. And then let it take it where it must. We can't do anything. If you can't do anything and you don't know what to do, don't do anything. Because sometimes people say, well, doing something is better than doing nothing. Well, in some cases that may be true. But a lot of cases with God, it's just stay there. Don't do anything. Just let Till you get some wisdom from God to know what to do. Don't make st another, another stupid decision after the one you already made. So don't compound it. Verse 18. The violent storm continued, so on the next day they began to throw some of the ship's cargo overboard. And the following day they threw part of the ship's equipment overboard. That was a bad storm. And when we get into bad storms... There's times that we're going to have to get rid of things in our life. What is it in our life that's causing us not to be able to be as secure in God as we need to be? We need to lighten our ship. We need to get rid of some non-essentials in our ship, in our life. If we want to survive, that's what they did. And they started throwing over things that were, they needed to help guide the ship. They were throwing the equipment over the board. They were throwing everything they could that was non-essential. They started lightening the ship because evidently the lighter the ship is, it's easier to, to stay on top. I don't really know. I'm not that educated in that aspect, but evidently that's true because these were experienced sailors. And we need to lighten that ship. And we need to make sure we take the steps that need to be done. If we're having a money crisis in our life, and I guarantee you, I think almost every Christian has gone through a money crunch of some kind. And if you haven't, then you'll probably get there someday. I've gone through them, and I know of almost every person that I've known as a Christian has been through them. And if that's what it is, then tighten the budget. Quit spending stuff on non-essentials. That's what it means. 
When you're going through a crunch, eliminate the things that's make it, that makes that situation worse. If it's money, quit spending money. Tear up your credit cards. Cut them up. Throw them away. Get them paid off if that's the problem. If you're paying them off every month and you're using them, using their money for a while, I don't have a problem with that. Of course, I don't have a problem with anything, what you want to do in your life, but I'm trying to, God says, hey, if you don't take care of things, you're going to end up in a storm, and you're going to cause your own storm. But if you are in that storm, do what you need to do to get out of it or to make sure that the storm doesn't get worse. If it's money, tighten your belt. Verse 20. For many days we could not see the sun or the stars, and the wind kept blowing, on blowing very hard. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. Have you been there? If you haven't been there yet, you will be sometime in your life. The storm is going to be so bad that you can't see the light of day. You're going to have a lot of problems in your life, and you're wondering, does God even care? Does he even hear me? You know those times when you don't feel like the prayers are even going past the ceiling? And you wonder, where's God? Doesn't he know that I'm here? Doesn't he know I'm suffering here? I can't see anything. Those are the times we trust God. Those are the times we got to know that God is in control. I love that song, God is in control. Safe harbor. Hey, those are great. God is in control. And we have to just sit back and say, God, I don't know what's going on. I may not feel like you're hearing me, but your word says you are. And we have to stand on our faith because that's when we get stronger. Because when we get through this storm, and if we listen to God and do what God tells us to do, he's going to see to it that we get through this storm and the next one if necessary. But everything that we do is going to make us stronger and stronger and stronger. So the next storm won't, won't be as bad as what this one is was. Because, hey, you've already been through here. And that's why it says count your blessings. Name them one by one. When your things aren't going right, then you sit back and you reflect on your past and say, God answered this prayer. I remember when I didn't have a job. I didn't have any money. I didn't know where I was going to feed my kids. And God came through. Well, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He did it then. He'll do it now. If he did it for someone else, he'll do it for me. And we have to read his word and say, knowing that God is not a respecter of persons. And if God brought you in or let you go into a storm, he's going to guide you through it irregardless of what the circumstances may say. And we have to be able to trust him. And sometimes when we think we see a light at the end of the tunnel, it's a train. How many times have you been there? I've been there a lot. I should be an engineer on a train. So but when, we do, when all hope is gone, we can hope in God and we can stand fast in him because we know ultimately everything good he is going to do for us eventually if we just do not give up. Verse 21, after everyone had gone a long time without food, Paul stood before them and said, you should have listened to me and not sailed from Crete. Then we would have avoided all this damage and loss. But now I beg you, take courage. Not one of you will lose your life. Only the ship will be lost. For last night, an angel of God, whom, to whom I belong and whom I worship, came to me and said, don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand before the emperor. And God, in his goodness to you, has spared the lives of all those who are sailing with you. So take courage, men, for I trust in God that it will be just as I was told. But it will be driven ashore on some island. Paul finally got to say, I told you so. 
Only that wasn't his attitude. His I told you so wouldn't have been like my, ours would have. We'd think, see, I told you so. If you hadn't done that, we wouldn't be in this mess. How many times do we do that to our husbands, women? When the man makes a wrong choice and we say, see, I told you. I tried to tell you it was stupid, but you wouldn't listen to me. No, 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 no. Shame, 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 shame. He was saying, I told you so to remind them that he tried to warn them because he had a little insight because God gave him insight that there was going to be a problem with this voyage. And he was trying to warn them because they didn't, God didn't want them to go through that storm. God didn't want them to. He tried to warn them, tried to get them to avoid it. But Paul said, hey, I tried to warn you. God tried to warn you, but you wouldn't listen. But now God stood before me last night or God told me last night, an angel of God told me that if you listen to me now, then your lives will be spared. We may lose everything, but your lives will be spared. Now, we as Christians, we know when we've messed up, if we need an I told you so, then we need it. We need to not be offended by that and just admit that we've made a mistake. Take the responsibility for our contrib contributing to the storm we're going through. Because until we acknowledge the mistake, we're just going to go on in la-la land and look for someone else to blame, and nothing will change. So we got to be man and woman enough to be able to stand up and say, I made a mistake. Yeah, I made a wrong choice. And be able to trust God, that knowing that he's going to see to it that you make it through this storm. Because it's God's will for us to make it through the storms. It isn't God's will for us to, to sink with every storm we go through. There wouldn't be very many Christians around, would there? We'd we're small in numbers now. If he didn't spare us or help us through the storms, there wouldn't be any. There might be two people here this morning instead of what we have because God wants us to make it through the storms. He doesn't want us to, to die in them. We need to quit, take responsibility for them. If people in America would just take responsibility for their own actions, what kind of a place could we live in? All these criminals, well, it wasn't my fault. Uh, it was my environment. My mother and dad didn't love me. They didn't give me my, my bike I wanted for my 12th birthday, so it's their fault that I'm a a serial killer, <laughs> or my dad, my dad spanked me, or my dad was a drunk. They always got someone to blame. But if we quit blaming people and start taking responsibility for the things we do, then we can grow up, because that's a sign of maturity, is when you're taking responsibility for your own actions. Then God can help you. God can grow us strong. But when we blame everybody else for our problems, oh, it's that pre preacher's fault. That guy down there at that church, he talks about sin. and I felt pretty good until he told me I couldn't do that. Now I want to do it all the time. And we blame, blame people for everything that we do. Well, God says, no, you take responsibility for it. And when you do, he says, I will get you through this storm. If you'll listen to me. It's kind of interesting when we're, uh, as Christians, especially in the workplace, when people know that you're Christians, you know, they have a tendency to make fun of you. Oh, uh, you're just Christian. They make fun of you reading your Bible, and they make fun of everything that you do. But when they have a problem in their life, what's the first thing that they do? They come to you and say, what? <clears throat> would, you, would you pray for my grandma who's sick? You know, All of a sudden, they make fun of you, whatever else that might do. But if we stand strong in our storms, they know that you can touch God. And so they come to you. So our storms are a good way that we can testify to non-Christians about God's faithfulness, about his strength, because if he can make me strong and help me, he can help you. And so they'll come to us and uh, pray. Say, would you pray for this? Of course, when they come to me like that, they're kind of amazed. I say, okay, let's pray right now. <laughs> 
And if someone does ask you to pray for them, make sure that we do. Sometimes we, uh, we kind of say, oh, yeah, I'll pray for you, and then we get home, and then that, we, don't, we forget all about it until we see them again. We go, oh, no, I didn't pray for them. And we, so we try to avoid that person because we didn't pray for them. So it's easier to pray for them right then. Of course, if it's in a work environment, it may not be conducive. But write yourself a little note, whatever you need to do, remind you, do it at lunchtime. Say, hey, at lunchtime, would you meet me in the break room? I'll pray for you. Something that we can do. But make sure we pray for people during that storm because they're going to see how we handle storms. And that's going to be a testimony for God or against God. If God can't get us through things, what hope does the world have? They have to go to the drugs. They have to go to the booze. And we know that we have something better than that. And so we're in a better position. 27, verse 27. It was the 14th night, and we were been driven in the Mediterranean Sea by the storm. About midnight, the sailors suspected that we were getting close to land. So they dropped a line with a weight tied to it and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A little later, they did the same and found out that it was 90 feet. They were afraid that the ship would go on the rocks, so they lowered four anchors on the back of the ship and prayed for daylight. They knew something had changed. They were professional sailors. They could sense it for whatever reason. I don't know what it is. Maybe they could smell something in the air. The land was close, whatever it might be. But they knew something was changed, and they did the measurements. They verified that with their measuring stuff that they did. I don't know how that worked, but that's what they did. And they knew that they were getting close to land, but they couldn't see it because it's still dark. So they let out the four anchors to hold them right where they were at so they wouldn't go in any further because they didn't want to break up on the rocks. And that's what we need to do. When we're in a storm, we're going to sense sometime in that storm, we're going to kind of sense something starting to change. Something is a little different today that wasn't there yesterday or an hour ago or whatever. And we're kind of sensing something's changing. And we've got to make sure when we sense those changes that we just don't make a rash decision. Like, you know, if you're in debt, somebody comes and says, oh, I can get you out of debt. On the news this last week, they talked about these one people that were going to lose their house, and they had this mortgage thing that, oh, we'll help save your house. So they called them because they had medical bills that caused them to get in debt, and their house payments was, was way behind. They were going to lose their house. So this company comes up and says, we're going to save your house. So they thought, oh, yes, great. So they go in. The, the guy pays $13,000 in back payments. They sign the papers, and thank you, Jesus. That was it. Oh, man, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, come find out. They sold they had uh, given them ownership of their house for $13,000, and they'd lived in that house like 15 or 20 years. I don't know what it is. All that equity they had in that house because somebody came in for a solution for that problem, and they didn't think it through. All they could see was, oh, I'm going to be able to save my house. That's all they were thinking. But in reality, they lost their house because of it, and there was nothing they could do about it. What they did was legal, maybe not very moral, but it was legal, and there wasn't anything they could do about it. So we've got to make sure when we sense those changes in our life that we don't make rash decisions, that we hold our anchor and we pray and we trust God and, and make sure and ask him for wisdom to know what to do next and don't make rash decisions. Paul had faith, and he talked it in verse, let's see, where were we at? What did we just get through reading? Okay, 30, verse 30. I've got all these scriptures written in here. Yeah, that's where we're at, Okay. Then the sailors tried to escape from the ship. They lowered the boat into the water and pretended that they were going to put, some, put out some anchors from the front of the ship. But Paul said to the army officer and soldiers, If the sailors don't stay on board, you have no hope of being saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the boats and let them go. 
These sailors were going to kind of use that. They were pretending they were going to jump ship. They didn't care what happened to anybody else on the ship. They were going to get out of there and kind of protect themselves. And they were kind of sneaking off to do that. And sometimes people will do that in a storm. They won't want admit anything. They just kind of want to sneak off and try to avoid the storm. But in reality, if you leave the situation that you're at, then sooner or later you're going to have to come back to that same, that same spot and you won't be able to jump ship. And he says, you, your safety will not be guaranteed unless you stay with the ship. God can't guarantee you're going to get, he can get you through there unless you listen to him. And sometimes we just got to cast our anchor and stay with the ship, irregardless of what the circumstances around us says. They finally listened to Paul, though. Finally listened to Paul, and they cut off the lifeboats. They cut everything else because they finally believed him. Sooner or later when we're going through things in our lives, when we have a chance to influence our family, or we influence people at work, our friends, neighbors, whatever it is, there's going to come a time, maybe it's when they're going through a storm, that maybe they will listen to you, and they'll be able to hear a message about God and about God's love that they won't any other time in their life. Because right after 9-11, what was the first thing that happened? Our nation had a revival for three, four, five, six months. Because all of a sudden, the churches were full. Because problems made the reality of what's important Important. And they kind of separated things from people. And they knew what was important. Of course, now we've kind of gotten away from that. So when we're going through problems or people are going through problems, they're more susceptible to hear something, a message that they may, might listen to. Hey, why don't you come to church? I know you're going through a storm. Come on, come to go to church with me. You know, or let me pray with you, or whatever it might be. And if you're going through the storm and they're seeing how you're responding to that storm, then they know that, hey, well, maybe I, I, he can do that for me. So the storms are good not only for our own strengthening, but it helps as a testimony for others. And sometimes how long does it take us to listen to people? Sometimes we've got our mind made up, don't bother me with the facts. And we've got to know that the devil's main intent is to kill us and destroy us. So he wants us to jump ship. He wants us to do things that God doesn't want us to do. Because ultimately... He doesn't care. He wants you dead. He hates you. Now, he hates God, so he hates you. And that's the only way he can get a God is through us. And the sooner we know that and understand that, it'll help make our choices differently. <clears throat> Verse 33. I beg you then, eat some food. You need it in order to survive. Not even a hair of your heads will be lost after... Saying this, Paul took some bread, gave thanks to God before them, broke it, and began to eat. They took courage, and every one of them also ate some food. Now, through this whole thing, Paul had faith. Paul wasn't the one that made the decision to be there. I mean, he was on there because of something that he did, but he wanted to stay in that harbor there. He didn't want to go on. And sometimes we're going to end up in storms and in situations that we don't cause. But we've got to make sure that we're in those storms that we don't forget, like he did, thank God. First thing that happens when, when we get into problems sometimes in Christians is we forget to thank God. We don't count our blessings. We ignore God or we say, why God? Why have you done this to me? Why? In reality, we need to be thankful. Because, see, they still had bread. They were so upset and worried. And I know we've been there. We don't think about eating regular meals and doing things when we're going through a storm. There's too many things going on, so we don't think about it. 
But Paul had to tell them, hey, now let's take some food, take some nourishment. And he talked them into it because they were weak. You know, they'd been fighting this storm for over two weeks. It's been a long battle. They're all exhausted, and they're weak because they haven't eaten properly. So they all took time to thank God, and he was a the leader there. They trusted him. None, not one anyone on there except for the ones who was with Paul, knew God. But all of a sudden, the non-believing people on the group, they were acknowledging God, and they let him pray over their food. They let him bless it, and they ate, and they got enough strength. Verse 34. I beg you, then eat some fruit. Oh, I already did that one, didn't we? Oh, I didn't. Yeah, okay. I beg you, then eat some food. You need it in order to survive. Oh, I read that, didn't I? I got ahead of my other scripture I wrote. Oh, well. That's all right. I missed this one. Anyway, go to 37. Verse 37. There was a total of 276 of us on board. After everyone had eaten, eaten enough, they lightened the ship by throwing all the wheat into the sea. Now, we remember last time when the storm started getting really bad, they started throwing away non-essentials, things that they might have needed, you know, like the lifeboat. <laughs> they didn't throw that away. They threw away some of the tackling, some of the non-essential things. I don't know what those non-essentials were on an old ship, what it might be. I have no idea. But now... They ate, they were stronger, and now all of a sudden, because of Paul's life and Paul's testimony, they had hope. They had faith. Maybe not in Paul or in God, but in the God that Paul was talking about because he knew he was right in the first place. If they had listened to him, they wouldn't have been here, but now they didn't listen to him, and now it's going to cost them a lot. It's going to cost them this whole Voyage is going to cost them the ship, the owner of the ship. If he had listened to Paul, all the money he would have saved. I don't think they had insurance back then to be able to survive these kind of losses. But it's just like somebody come in and blow up your whole house and your garage and your car and your, everything that you own is in that house and you have no insurance. That would be devastating. But that's what it cost them in order to survive this storm. They had to get rid of everything. And if we're... In that situation, maybe we need to start giving up a little bit of TV. Maybe we need to start giving up some of the things that we're doing. Who knows what it might be? Maybe we need to, to pray more. So we need to get rid of some of the, more of the non-essentials and start getting rid of the essentials of life. Maybe we need to skip a meal and fast and pray. That's, an, you know, food is an essential, something essential to our lives. Maybe we need to do that. And when we're in a deep storm and a trouble's coming, sometimes we're going to have to do that. We're going to have to start dealing with the essentials in order to get through this thing. Because God promised them not one hair of your head would be harmed. You will make it through. And so that's pretty good hope. And we have that same hope from God. God says your head, the hair of your head is numbered. They're counted. And he's going to see us through. Because he wants us to survive the storm. He doesn't want it. He got it didn't make us Christian to go through storms to destroy us. It's to strengthen us, to make us stronger, to help us to know him better and know how strong we are. Because if you don't do something for God and if you're never in a trial, how are you going to know how strong you are? When you go to school, you're not tested on stuff you don't know. You're tested on stuff you do know. That would be kind of crazy if you go into an English class and they give you an algebra test. God doesn't do that either. He tests things to make us stronger so our faith is stronger, so we can put our faith in him and trust in him and knowing that not one hair of our head 
will be lost as long as we listen to what he says. Of course, eventually we're going to die. You know, that's the reality of it. One day, you know, we're going to die. But generally speaking, the storms that we go through, God wants us to have victory over those storms. And he's going to do that for us if we don't abandon ship and if we listen to him and we don't hold back anything. Some people, they come, come to God and they say, well, okay, I want to give my life to God, but don't mess with my fishing. Don't mess with my football. Don't mess with my basketball, then I'll serve God. Well, sometimes it may cost you a football game. Some days it may cost you a basketball game or a fishing trip or a vacation. If we know that right off and we're not willing to do it, then, you know, we need to think it. We need to think it through. God said count the cost. You know, going in, there's going to be storms, and sometimes it's going to cost us something. But when he does take something away from us or make us choose, he gives us so much more. He, he blesses us so much, and that's why he wants us to be concentrated on the blessings, not on the things that are going wrong. We have a light, we have our faith on him, not on the circumstances. When we do that, then we have a better chance of surviving. Verse 39. When day came, the soldiers did not recognize the coast, but they noticed a bay with a beach and decided that if possible, they would run the ship aground there. Ah, they finally, they finally get to see a little bit of daylight. They can see land. They don't know where it is. They haven't a clue where they're at. But as they look closer, they can see a harbor. They can see something. They don't know where it is, but they know there's a harbor there. And that's the same thing that happens with us. We're going to go through a lot of times that we can't see God's purpose. We don't know what he's doing. We don't know what's going on. But one morning or one night, we'll wake up and we'll be able to get a little glimpse of land. We'll be able to see that the storm has subsided and we can see, well, there's land there. Oh, man, oh, yes, I am going to make it. I am going to make it. I can see a harbor there. And he is our harbor. He is our safe harbor. And so what did they do? <clears throat> Verse 40. Oh, we just did 40. Uh, no, we didn't either. Yeah, verse 40. So they cut off the anchors and let them sink into the sea, and at the same time they untied the ropes that held the stirring oars. Then they raised the sail at the front of the ship so that the wind would blow the ship forward, and we headed for shore. They had cut loose of the anchors, and they put up the mast of the front of the ship, and they headed for that harbor. They got rid of now. They knew the direction that they needed to do. They knew what they should do. And there's going to come a time in our storm that we're going to know what's, what God wants us to do. And then that's the time that we make a decision. That's the time we change something. And we put up the sail and do everything to ex expedite our journey to that harbor that we can see. And that's what they did here. <clears throat> Verse 41. But the ship hit a sandbank and went aground, and the front part of the ship got stuck and could not move, while the bank, back part was being broken to pieces by the violence of the waves. Well, they seen the harbor, they headed for it, and how many times does that happen to us? And all of a sudden, everything that you have left that you're hanging on to is just torn apart and broken. But see, at the beginning, Paul told them the ship would be lost. He told them that. So they shouldn't be surprised. And God sometimes will tell us in advance of things happening. So we shouldn't be surprised. But if he, even if he doesn't, we know that our life's in God's hands, and he's going to guide us, and he's going to direct us. 
So if it means that the ship gets, runs, runs aground somewhere and breaks apart, then so be it. Because he, we have his promise that I'm going to be saved. And that's, that's the most important thing anyway is our life. I'd rather have my loved one's life saved than their possessions. Let them spend all the money they have. My, my, my husband's parents will spend everything you got. I don't care. I'd rather have your life. I'd rather have you than I would these things. And there's no different here. So, but we have to know that that's, that might be a possibility. Verse 42. The soldiers made a plan to kill all the prisoners in order to keep them from swimming ashore and escaping. Ah. Now, we really can't feel too bad about these soldiers because in that time frame, Paul and them wasn't the only prisoners on board. They had a lot of prisoners. I don't know how many of them, but they were a lot of prisoners on there that weren't there for their faith. <laughs> They were there for real crimes, I guess. And um, these soldiers <clears throat> knew that if these prisoners escaped and got away, that they would have to serve the time for every one of those prisoners. So they didn't want them getting away. <clears throat> and they figured that they could kill these prisoners. <clears throat> they could kill these prisoners and blame it on the storm. How many times do people want to do something and then blame it on the storm? Wasn't my fault. Oh, couldn't help it. This is the storm. And he was going to kill the prisoners. And I don't blame him. If I was looking at serving, you know, 20 years in prison for this guy and 15 over here for this guy and whatever it might be. And the prisons weren't nice like they are now. If they, in prisons in those days, if you didn't have family that brought you food and clothing, you didn't eat. It was your family's responsibility to take care of you. So... That's why you have the scripture that says, when I was in prison, you visited me, and you brought me. That's why it's important, because if they weren't, somebody didn't feed them, the government didn't. And sometimes I think, man, we need to go back to those days. <laughs> I said, the devil well, has a plan to kill us, and the perfect time to do it is in a storm. We've got everything going wrong in our lives. The storms are raging, we don't know what to do. How many people during a storm commit suicide? Some of the people that you think have everything, have money, they have fame, they have everything that they have going in their lives, and they commit suicide. Why? I don't know why. Who knows? Only they know what's going on in their life. But some, they're going through a storm. Something in their life isn't right. And all the money and all the fame and everything else that's going on wasn't helping them. So we got to be careful when we're going through the storm to make sure that we don't allow the devil to destroy us and to be able to put things in our mind. And if we're going there, we need to get help. We need to ask God to help us. We need to get counseling because the devil will kill us if we let him. And he was going to kill all them because he wanted to kill Paul. He didn't care about the other guys. They wanted to make sure that Paul and Luke and whoever else was with him were killed during this storm. Because he didn't want Paul to propagate the gospel anymore. So, verse 43. But the army officer wanted to save Paul, so he stopped them from doing this. Instead, he ordered everyone to, could swim to jump overboard first and swim ashore, and the rest were to follow, holding on to planks or some broken pieces of the ship. And this was how they, we all got safely ashore. God provided 
someone to step in. Just when we think things are bad, just when we think we're going to be destroyed, we'll lose it all, God steps in and saves us. Because God, we've learned the lesson we're going to learn. We've done everything we want. Now God comes on the scene. And if we just stick it out and we just go with it and let God teach us what we want to do, then we can make it. And that's our hope. That's our prayer. That's our confidence that we have. Now this morning, I know that there's probably some of us here that are in storms. And I have hope for you. God says he doesn't mean this for our harm. He means it for our good. In some way, we're going to get some benefit out of the storm you're going through. And if you're here this morning, if you, with your heads bowed, if you're here and you're going through a storm, something that's overwhelming you, something that, that's different than uh, you just don't know what you're going to do. If you're here, raise your hand. I want to pray for you this morning. I know we're all going through storms, and we're all... That's, that's part of being life. But I have good news for you. God is able to meet us and to help us through that storm. Thank you. Okay. Now, before I pray for you, I just want to re read a little poem I wrote. It's called, Even Though. Though the world is trying to destroy us and darkness is flooding our life, though heartache is all that we're facing and our life is so full of strife, Though trials and trouble we're enduring, and darkness is blocking our view, though our bills are more than your income, and our kids need a new pair of shoes, though our friends think we are foolish, and our family forsakes all that we say, though tomorrow may add to our problems, or we may not see a new day, though sickness may fall upon us, and our strength fade away in the night, we must not, we must not forsake our journey to heaven, or give up on the fight. For the Lord never said it'd be easy, for he told us to take up a cross. He said that to be his disciple, we must be willing to suffer all loss. For to lose our life is to find it, and we must give before we receive. He said that no matter the journey, we must trust in him and believe. He promised we'd not be given any more than we could endure. He is our rock of salvation. In him, we are always secure. He said he'd never leave nor forsake us. With us, he would always abide. Then one day, it all would be worth it. When, we, when in heaven, we stand true and tried. One day, it will be worth it. It will be worth it all. And God will lead us if we'll just let him guide us and direct us and help us through the storm. And if you go through those rough, rough storms, come back to this, this chapter and look through it again. Gauge where you're at. Tonight, I'm going to talk a little bit about different kinds of storm. At 6 o'clock, we'll start on time. <laughs> i give you a different insight from, a, from other types of storms, so I'm going to talk about some of those. But this morning, let's, let me pray with you this morning for those of you who are going through a storm. And even if you didn't raise your hand, if you're going through a storm or a trial in your life, just inclu I'll include you also in this prayer. 